beautiful world to Barbarian Noetics, the podcast dedicated to the human spirit. I'm your host, Conan Tanner. What's up, y'all? What's going on, lovies, beloved listeners, beautiful people? Welcome back to another edition of the BNP. I'm coming at you from Saturday morning. It is a beautiful day outside, and I really want to be on my bicycle in the sunshine. It's like 75 degrees. There's a slight breeze coming out of the east. No, west. The breeze is coming out of the west. It was coming out of the east last night. Now it's coming out of the west. Anyways, it's drop-dead gorgeous, but I love you guys so much that I am forsaking my desire to be out in the sunshine and instead am in my studio busily putting together that BMP content that you know and love. I'm drinking a wild tonic Jeune Kombucha made with honey. I have the chai pear flavor and it is very autumnal flavor and it's effing delicious. I don't know if all y'all have gotten into the Jeune thing. Jeune is kombucha but made with honey instead of sugar. Oh my god. And this one brand, Wild Tonic, and sometimes at natural grocers, it's it's ridiculously expensive. Like it's just it's kind of obscene how expensive it is. But sometimes at natural grocers they put it on sale. And when they do, I scoop them up. Anyways, it's probably more than you needed to know about my jeune uh, preferences. But I hope y'all are doing really good. Um, I'm gonna get this podcast out this weekend. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to say this morning other than I send you guys good vibes. I'm going to be reading some poetry this episode, and I have a conversation with friend of the show, Pete Coeneman, where we talk about current events and some other stuff, Ibogaine, some good stuff. So it's going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge, poetry and Pete. <laughs> and, uh, and then Pete is going to come back on the podcast real soon, and we're going to do the sobriety chat as well. But... You know, I figured we all probably needed a break from the sobriety talk. I know I did. So why not break up the sobriety talk with talk of decriminalizing drugs in the U.S. of A, baby? So, um, yeah. All right. That's all I have to say. (laughs) This is a stellar intro. And uh, love you guys. And I will chat with you at the end of the pod. All right. Peace. Do it as it and watch it the light.
don't know about all y'all, but I need some cosmic consciousness right now. So we're going to turn to a random page in a book by the great Ken Wilber. This is called A Brief History of Everything. I do not know what page I'm going to turn to. We're going to do this live on air, baby. All right, let's see what the universe guides us to today. Picking a page at random. Oh, got it. Okay. All right, this is, comes from his chapter, Spirit in Action, Attuned to the Cosmos. Finally, because I have misinterpreted my own depth, I will often misinterpret yours. I am cutting something off in my own depth. I am dissociating it or repressing it or alienating it. And so I will distort interpretations from that depth, both in myself and in others. My interpretations will be laced with lies, nested in incense. That's not what I meant. So wacky, you'll have to respond. That's not what I meant. So wacky, you'll have to respond. That's not what I meant. So wacky, you'll have to respond. That's not what I meant. So wacky, you'll have to respond. That's not what I meant. And you will think to yourself, where on earth did he get that one? Question. So these various interpretive therapies, such as psychoanalysis or gestalt or Jungian, help you to contact and more truthfully interpret your depths. Ken Wilber. Yes, exactly. The idea is not to make some sort of more accurate map of the objective world, but to relax your resistances and sink into your interior depths and learn to report those depths more truthfully, both to yourself, both to others, and more importantly, to yourself. And this allows your depth to begin to match your behavior. Your words and your actions will match up. That is, your left will match your right. You will, quote, walk your talk. And your left hand will know what your right hand doeth. We generally refer to this as integrity. You have the sense that the person won't lie to you because they haven't lied to themselves. I enjoyed that so much, y'all. I'm going to turn to another page. I need some Ken Wilber up in my lifestyle right now. I'm not going to lie. All right. This one is the further, or it's, the chapter is the further reaches of spirit in action on the way to global part two. And the multi-cults are in a massive identity crisis. Since their official stance is that elitism of any sort is bad, but since their actual self is in fact an elite self, then they must lie about their actual self. They must conceal, distort deceive superior in a world where nothing of course which is superior in a world where nothing of course which is superior in a world where nothing of course which is superior in a world where nothing of course which is superior in a world where nothing of course which is superior in a world where nothing is supposed to be superior at all oops so they have an elite stance that denies its own elitism they are lying about their cultural identity they have a false self system, and that is an identity crisis. That is a typical Fulcrum 5 screw up, a pathology of the adolescent mind, still caught in a variation on the Fulcrum 5 dissociation that is the disaster of modernity, still claiming to have overcome and subverted it, but still perfectly trapped in it and thus still forced into massive self deception. Question It's very spooky. It's Orwell's newspeak and thought police, but it seems to be fairly pervasive. The universities have all but been hijacked by it. Ken Wilber. Yes, American universities today seem to specialize in it. 
All this is actually doing is contributing to the re-tribalization of America by encouraging every egocentric and ethnocentric fragmentation and grievance politics, the politics of narcissism. All stances are equal means every pre-conventional and ethnocentric shallowness is given encouragement. The country is facing its own identity crisis, we might say, but I suppose that's another discussion. All right, three times the charm, one more, one more Ken Wilber clip. I turn to page 42, that's a good number. Spirit in action, the secret impulse. All right. Because the universe has direction, we ourselves have direction. There is meaning in the movement, intrinsic value in the embrace. As Emerson put it, we lie in the lap of immense intelligence, by which by any other name is spirit. There is a theme inscribed on the original face of the cosmos. There is a pattern written on the wall of nothingness. There is a meaning in its every gesture, a grace in its every glance. We, and all beings as such, are drenched in this meaning, afloat in a current of care and profound value, ultimate significance, intrinsic awareness. We are part and parcel of this immense intelligence, this spirit in action, this God in the making, We don't have to think of God as some mythic figure outside of the display, running the show. Nor must we picture it as some merely imminent goddess, lost in the forms of her own production. Evolution is both God and goddess, transcendence and imminence. It is imminent in the process itself, woven into the very fabric of the cosmos. But it everywhere transcends its own productions and brings forth anew in every moment. Question transcends and includes, Ken Wilber. Indeed, and we are invited, I believe, to awaken as this process. The very spirit in us is invited to become self-conscious or even, as some would say, super-conscious. Depth increases from subconscious to self-conscious to super-conscious, all on the way to its own shocking recognition, utterly one with the radiant all, and we awaken as that oneness. What do you think, is that crazy? Are the mystics and sages insane? Because they tell variations on the same story, don't they? Because they all tell variations on the same story, don't they? The story of awakening one morning and discovering that you are one with the all in a timeless and eternal and infinite fashion. Yes, maybe they are crazy, these divine fools. Maybe they are mumbling idiots in the face of the abyss. Maybe they need a nice understanding therapist. Yes, I'm sure that would help. But then I wonder, maybe the evolutionary sequence really is from matter to body, to mind, to soul, to spirit, each transcending and including, each with a greater depth and greater consciousness and wider embrace. And in the highest reaches of evolution, maybe, just maybe, an individual's consciousness does indeed touch infinity, a total embrace of the entire cosmos, a cosmic consciousness that is spirit awakened to its own true nature.
Election 2020 Headquarters Special, where we discuss all, and by all I mean only a few choice items from the election. So I just wanted to really quick touch base on the fact that progressive measures across the entire country passed overwhelmingly in 2020. So any rhetoric you hear about how, like, you know, this election is a rebuke of the left or what the fuck ever is a bunch of bullshit. Bernie would have won in a landslide, I guarantee you that. He would have lost Florida, but he would have won the entire Midwest. None of this fucking losing Ohio, none of the drama in Pennsylvania. Bernie would have won in a fucking landslide. But as evidence that America is ready for progressive agendas, uh, let's take a look at what happened in the world of drug law in the U.S. This was a truly historic election for reforming and restoring sanity to U.S. drug laws. So I'm going to read a little bit from, this is an article from The Guardian. U.S. drug laws set for sweeping overhaul as voters choose decriminalization. On Tuesday night, a number of U.S. states voted in favor of decriminalizing drugs in an unprecedented drug law overhaul. Thanks to a push by drug reform advocates, and I want to give a a major shout out to uh, drug, what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to put it in the description. Wait, let's see. It's Drug Policy Alliance. That's what it's called. Yeah. Drug Policy Alliance. Major shout out to them. They've been doing amazing work. I've been donating to them for years. I've been following all of their, um, you know, initiatives. And they've, they've really been enormous amounts of effort and skill and, you know, really building this grassroots movement for um, decriminalizing and ultimately legalizing drugs which I'll get into the real implications of that for for the nation as implications of that for for the nation as a whole in terms of taking the legs out from under our draconian and racist and classist and just fucked uh, drug laws. So let me so yeah, it's it's the Drug Policy Alliance. If you guys want to check it out, you can go to www.drugpolicy.org. The executive director is named Cassandra Frederick. And yeah, all right, anyways, so let's see. Where was I? All right, thanks to a push by drug reform advocates, in every state where the ballot was proposed, people voted to abolish criminal penalties for possession. Last night, Arizona, Zona, what's up? Arizona, Montana, sorry, y'all. I just woke up and this is like the first time I've talked today, so you know, get a little rusty. Um, 
Last night, Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota. South Dakota, like the, the liberal bastion of South Dakota, voted to decriminalize recreational marijuana. Meanwhile, in Mississippi, I'm going to repeat that. Meanwhile, in Mississippi, <laughs> M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, and South Dakota, medical marijuana will be legalized, taking the tally of U.S. states that have legalized the substance up to 15. And in Washington, D.C., psychedelic plants will be decriminalized. That's hugely significant, too, in my humble opinion. Now, the, uh, the cherry on top of all these progressive measures. In Oregon, good old Oregonistan, the People's Republic of Oregon, all illegal drugs, including heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamines, will be decriminalized. Meanwhile, psilocybin or psychoactive mushrooms, I don't know anything about those. What's that? Psilocybin, psychoactive mushrooms? I don't know what that, what is that? That's certainly not like something that I microdose pretty much every day, so I have to look into what that is. Um, will be legalized for therapeutic use. <clears throat> A historic first. Oregon has some of the highest substance and mental health problems in the country. Yeah, you don't have to tell me that twice. And its access to services is one of the worst in the country, which is kind of ironic because Oregon has this reputation. It is a progressive state, but its services for substance abuse and mental health issues are really lagging, especially for, you know, the epidemic of, unfortunately, um, those two problems pretty much all up and down the West Coast, honestly. But uh, a lot of people have been migrating um, to Portland, especially um, living under bridges and stuff. So it has the third highest number of people needing but not receiving treatment for alcohol and substance use disorders. Mimicking successful pilots in Europe, the initiative in Oregon places an emphasis on treating addiction as a health issue rather than one of law and order. Hell yeah! Instead of jail time, those found in possession of drugs will have the option to either pay a $100 fine or sign up for addiction services. So that's pretty brilliant. <clears throat> you can either pay 100 bucks, which probably people don't have for the most part, or don't want to give up, or sign up for addiction services. Proponents of the measures are hopeful that the changes will reduce overdose deaths, reduce racial disparities in drug, drug sentencing and arrests, and drastically improve services for drug users across the country. The Drug Policy Alliance, oh, what I mentioned earlier, which drafted and funded the measures in Oregon, say that $100 million could be saved per year through its Measure 110 in law enforcement saving from reduced arrests and incarceration and increased tax revenue from drugs sales. That money will be funneled toward treatment and social services for drug users such as addiction, recovery centers, housing, and healthcare. The initiative also looks to set racial disparities in drug arrests and, wait, sorry. The initiative also looks to set, looks set to reduce. Holy shit, that was hard for me to read. The initiative also looks set to reduce racial disparities in drug arrests and sentencing. In October, the Oregon Secretary of State released a report suggesting that the reform could result in a 95% drop <clears throat> in racial disparities in drug arrests. So kudos to the People's Republic of Oregon for leading the way, and I do believe that this is going to spread like wildfire. I think more and more states are going to adopt this measure simply because I think it's going to 
be extremely successful. I have a really good feeling about this because the political will is there in Oregon. So you have all these uh, many, many folks from all walks of life who have good hearts, who want to make the world a better place, who want to help, who want to make a difference. And now they can actually, there'll actually have be some resources um, for folks to really help with uh, treating, you know, um, especially like, like no one is saying that like, you know, heroin and meth are like great and should be legal. That's not what this is about. It's just about that because of the mental health crisis in our country and the seemingly infinite uh, amount of opium flowing in from Afghanistan from all the poppies that we've been guarding for 20 years. Obviously, we have an opiate crisis that's unprecedented and completely off the rails. And so rather than just throwing these people in jail to benefit the for-profit prison industry, weak. And um, I just think all in all, this is a really good sign. And it's something positive to take away from this election, um, which which overall, to be honest with you guys, as I said, I'm not even going to talk about the other shit because it's too depressing for me. So instead, I'm just going to focus on the progressive measures that passed. Another progressive measure that passed was in Florida, <clears throat> another bastion of liberalism. <clears throat> In Florida, they voted to approve a $15 minimum wage, which is another, that's like a standard progressive agenda item. And, you know, that passed in Florida. So, and the majority of Americans believe that uh, Medicare for all should be a reality. They, uh, the majority of Americans, Republicans and Democrats, want government health care to be free and available. So, I guess what I'm saying is that the wave, like the the undercurrent is building and progressive measures are becoming more and more popular across the political spectrum. And that's what excites me because I am so fucking done with the bullshit blue versus red nonsense. I do not even remotely identify as either of those two colors. Fuck Joe Biden, as far as I'm concerned. People are about to find out just how shitty he is. He is a fucking nightmare. So, no, I'm not a Democrat, please. But what I do believe in is working class solidarity. And I think that what, you know, the minimum wage increase in Florida shows, the fact that Mississippi and South Dakota voted to uh, decriminalize and legalize medical marijuana, um, it shows that there is a coalition there in class solidarity, the fact that we are the 99%. And once people can see past, see right now the oligarchs are laughing their asses off because this election was so fucking close between the red and blue bullshit. It was almost 50-50, right? And that's exactly how they want it. They want us to be perfectly divided in the binary system of red versus blue. And they want it to be almost even so that both forces kind of neutralize each other. And what that does is it allows the oligarchs to, for example, print $6 trillion and then let Steve Mnuchin fucking ooze it out to his buddies and no one raises a stink. Because of a pandemic, Steve Mnuchin gets to give out $6 trillion in goodies to, the, to his buddies. And, and, you know, whenever the stock market flails, we just socialize the stock market and just inject like trillions of dollars into it. Um, it's, it's insanity. And that money, we know it can be printed. We see it printed all the time. We see rich people getting it. So that means that working class people should be getting it and much more than the rich people. 
Um, I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm expressing this as clearly as I want to, but hopefully it's coming across that I believe that there is, um, there's a real opportunity in, you know, the next decade and beyond for if, if folks can look beyond the myopic bullshit of the red versus blue and they can start seeing each other as fellow workers struggling to make a living. And it's time that we start really realizing this. And honestly, in my humble opinion, I think a lot of like the, the Republican, like freedom isn't free and all that shit. I think it's covering up this deep knowing that they actually live in this like brutal austere nation that does nothing for them. So if we can kind of, if there can be a catalyst for trans political solidarity, um, we can start really building working class movement in this country. And then it's only a matter of time before the hugest and most effective general strike in the history of humanity brings this country to its knees and we demand Medicare for all. All right, y'all. Much love. friend of the show, Pete Koeneman. I just wanted to give a heads up that I was on my bicycle for this conversation. Um, I'm just discovering that my, the, like, the flow and quality of my thoughts is so much better when I'm moving, when I'm on my bicycle especially. And so I am doing more and more segments of the show on my bicycle. I hope that it's not like so distracting because obviously it's not the same quality as in my studio for audio anyway. But the quality of thoughts, I believe, is better. So I'm hoping that that balances out. 
This particular conversation with Pete, there's some points where the wind gets kind of loud. So I really apologize for that and I hope it's not too distracting. I did make an effort throughout the conversation to position myself between buildings so to cut off the wind flow. So it's not like windy the whole time, but I am acknowledging that there's some moments where the wind is pretty loud. Um, so I did what I could in post. I compressed it, I did all the shit, but it's still there. So um, I hope it's okay and um, bear with me and I am kind of coming to this realization about the podcast that if I get too far away from having fun with it, it's going to end. It's not going to be sustainable. And sometimes I put so much pressure on myself. I start to impose all of these perceived limitations. I start to compare myself to like professional podcasts with professional producers that are like paid on the payroll. And I'm just not there yet. I will be there someday, but I'm not there yet. So that means I have to still have fun when I'm doing it. Otherwise, I won't keep doing it. And so that means that I'm kind of making this decision that I'm going to be doing more segments on my bicycle, even though the quality isn't as good. Um, all right, that's my little disclaimer. And let's get into this conversation now with Pete Cohenman. Brew Doctor. Brew Doctor, yes, yes, sir. Yes, I yeah, know the exact that one. one. Yeah, it's got that one's yeah. got vodka in it. Yeah, from Portland, I think, right? Good old Portland. Probably. Everything is yeah. pretty, pretty soon, pretty soon, literally everything's gonna be from Portland because they just legalized all drugs. So many so. motherfuckers are probably moving there right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's gonna be complete mayhem, like especially this next six months. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's hilarious. Yeah. That was um. I just had a bus honk at me for being in the bicycle lane. That was like Whoa. an affront for that for that bus driver. <laughs> it's probably because you look like a liberal commie and they were a Trump supporter or something. <laughs> that is possibly correct. I mean, I like to believe that. Our local bus drivers are like, you know, union, fucking Teamster-style, <laughs> FDR, New Dealers, but the reality is they're like, they, the bus drivers, dude, have had the, the worst fucking rap with the pandemic, and they get no credit for the fact that really? they've had like the sh- Well, in terms of like how much exposure they're, they have, you know? Oh, like, sure. we talk about Yeah. Like we talk about essential workers, bus drivers, man. Yeah. I've been thinking about the bus drivers because no UPS pay for them, right? And they're also they're providing transportation to like you know for folks who can't necessarily afford a car and stuff, and so like maybe don't have access to face masks. And it's like, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the bus drivers. So just fact, even even if that bus driver is a MAGA hat guy, <laughs> and that's why he haunted me because. Because I have long hair. He, he right, was so right. curious. 
he saw my long hair and he's like, oh, that guy's a fucking Biden vandalist. He vandalized. That's been, that's been my favorite. So I'm, as everyone knows, I'm coming at you from South Phoenix and sometimes I make excursions into the suburbs to see my family. And my favorite sign I saw in the suburbs was, it was next to a big Trump tent sign. And then next to it, it had like spray paint. It was like, imagine like a imagine like a suburban wine mom idea of what graffiti looks like. So it like looks like it was, I'm already loving it. It was like something from like a like a video game from like Sega Dreamcast or something. I'm like just like I'm just like nice white sheet, and it says vandalized by Biden's and Biden thugs. Oh my god! Uh. And what makes it? What makes it so funny is there was nothing to vandalize, it was just a sheet. So the, the whole premise makes no sense, because it wasn't vandalizing anything. So it was like this bizarre public art, like this unintentional public art. I was like, God, that's, I can't decide if that's just like completely idiotic or kind of brilliant. Like I can't... Right. <laughs> really, it really you know, threw me for a loop. It's so funny. <laughs> that, oh, Can I'm, I'm no, what, what were you going to say? You go. Oh, something about the sign. Um, I forget exactly what I was going to say about the sign now, but it'll come back to me. You go first. Yeah. I, I don't remember if it was so much like this on Big Island, but one of the first things I noticed when I moved to Maui was the graffiti. And it always cracked me and my wife up. Like, the graffiti out here, it's like, I mean, you get some of your, like, you know, North Shore boys or um, the the TCGs, but most of it's like, look both ways before you cross the street or like pick up your litter but it's done in like cat letters and like actual graffiti art but it's like super fucking polite and nice yeah. and it just cracked me up yeah that's definitely Maui vibes for you for sure like yeah. living on the big island and then going to Maui to visit it felt like so as soon as I got off the plane I was like this is an entirely different feeling it's and a little I different world has, yeah yeah I think my theory is that it has to do with the fact that, sorry about the plane overhead, um, the fact that uh, Big Island has Kilauea is actively erupting and Haleakala is dormant. And so it's somehow um, like, a more peace, like a more peaceful energy. Yes, yes I completely yeah. agree. I had that same thought. Yeah, I was like, the, I mean, the Big Island is just, it's literally unstable. I mean, it's not finished being what it is yet. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, it yes. makes a, a difference. No, but we, um, it's weird, you know, we had a, a earthquake here the other day. It's the first earthquake I've ever experienced in my life. And we get earthquakes here from time to time, but they're always from Big Island, and we just feel them. This was the first time we had an earthquake from Maui, and, they, and so people are thinking that Haleakala might, you know, kick off sometime soon. Who knows? Well, watch, watch the lava lake on the big island if the lava lake goes down and there's no like yeah. fissures erupting on bi then i would take precautions for that yeah hopefully yeah, that doesn't happen yeah. yeah um you're you're like uplands right so you're kind of up the mountain a little bit yeah i move around a lot now i'm like kind of smack dab in the middle but they still call it up country up country yeah <laughs> all right right on do you ever get over to hana side um, man, when I first moved out here, it was like every chance I got, I'd cruise out Hanaside. And then once you live here for a little bit, you're like, fuck that. 
is the most yeah. like, ridiculous drive <laughs> on earth. I love it out there. One of the most beautiful places in the world, but it is. The last time I went, you know, I'm cruising around. It's one lane roads and it's blind corners. And I mean, like, really blind with just, you know, <laughs> 500 foot drops off into the gulch of the ocean. And I cruise around this corner and this, like, you know, local boy and his lifted monster truck comes flying 56 miles an hour. So I try to swerve oh. and I pop a tire and I, like, bust oh. the axle. So I'm like stuck on a blind corner on a one lane road, and I was just like, "No, I'm done with, I'm done with the road now." And I, That's over terrible. It. Wait, what happened? Did you have? Did you call AAA? What happened? How'd that resolve itself? I called AAA. It took them like five hours to get to me. So it was really scary. Like, I mean, it's a, it was a dangerous. Spot. God, I bet, yeah. I bet the AAA guy was super stoked to get that call. He's like, "You're what? Right. You're where? Oh, fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> you knew they, they totally drew, they drew straws like at the office. So like, who had to let him do that? Day? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure uh, they could not have been happy. Yeah, you know? damn. Yeah, when a uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Gwilaki, uh founder of Portland Pepper Mills, he started his woodworking career on, in Hana on Maui. And um, he, when he first started, he was his, he's a woodworker. So he, at that time, he oh, was making, uh, yeah, like he was doing wooden bowls and like wooden art. And he was. But he would drive it all the way to, is it Lahaina? Is that like yeah. a major city yeah. Now? yeah. He would drive it all the way from Hana to Lahaina, like every other weekend to sell his stuff in market. He was like doing that. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Fuck that. That's too much. Lahaina's super far. From that's crazy. That's all the way on like the other, I mean, it's West Maui. It's the whole other side. That's crazy. Yeah, he had like this little Nissan pickup truck that was just like the most miraculous vehicle. It just kept on doing that, doing that fucking drive yeah. over and over again. <laughs> it's so nice, though. It's so good that the drive is the way it is because it's like, I mean, Maui is, you know, there's other islands with parts of it that have, you know, still feel like old Hawaii, but most of it's changed so much. But I love that the road to Hana is fucked up because it's keeping. Keeping Hana local, you know, keeping it like old school, yes. old Hawaii. It's such a beautiful place. Yes, yeah. He there was a dude when I went to visit Hana lived in the forest, and he would make pyramids out of like bamboo and other materials, and they were time machines actually. So he was like just going all the time with his bamboo machines in the forest. And I'm like, I'm glad that guy's out there. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? <laughs> that's like some old school shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to turn here in a second. So we'll yeah, it's a little hard to hear you. Yeah, I'm going to turn Okay, so fuck, man. Uh, here we are. It's November sixth. Um, the fucking election is still being like sorted out. I haven't really been paying any attention, like lately at least. 
But what's yeah. the vibe out? What's the vibe out there in Maui? What are your thoughts on? You know, we we texted earlier about how Arizona passed legal weed and um, a bunch of like really progressive drug reforms actually all over the country passed. New Jersey passed recreational weed as well. Oregon decriminalized all drugs. D.C. decriminalized psychedelic drugs. And there was a couple other states. South Dakota, I think, voted for full uh, yeah. recreational. Yeah. So what yeah, are your thoughts? That blew me away. <laughs> that blew me away. I know. I mean, obviously, the Oregon thing is great. I mean, what a fucking concept to give people drug treatment instead of throw them in prison where age just easier to get drugs and a bunch of dipshits get to make money off of them. Right. On the Oregon thing. And not only did they decriminalize um, hard drugs, they legalized um, psilocybin for therapeutic uses. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's, that's huge. Know, I mean, that's like huge, you know? Those are really, really big steps. And I mean, we do, we gotta, we do gotta take our wins where we can. I mean, it's so easy to be upset by everything, but I mean, yeah, there's stuff happening, no doubt. Um, Hawaii didn't really seem like it changed too much. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know if we'll ever get legal weed out here because the guys that run the dispensaries, I mean, seriously run everything. I mean, I, not that I'm like in it too much, but they are real corrupt. <laughs> so like as an example, the guy um, who, you know how the cops do the green rates out here where they get little helicopters and they fly around and look uh, Oh yeah, they love that. They love flying their little helicopter around. So, yeah. Yeah, so check it out. The cops out here don't own a helicopter. So guess who lends them one? The motherfucker uh, who owns the dispensary. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah, man. He works with the cops to bust all of the illegal grow ups. What the fuck, dude? That is fucked up. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I, yeah, know, that's why he's just, they're in their pocket. So I don't know yeah. what's ever going to happen with that. When you start to get into, like, the upper echelons of power in the state of Hawaii, it starts to get very insular and yeah, impossible to penetrate. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They definitely yeah. do, like, they're, they seem like they look out for each other, like, really, really well, which has allowed them to, like... Old school families. Old school, yeah. I mean, they've had control of Hawaii for, like, what, 80 years now and so? Yeah, like that. long time. Yeah. So, I was just blown away. They they took I can't even remember the guy in Hawaii. He was some state politician. I don't remember what really high up, but he'd been running, you know, like one of the biggest meth rings ever for ten. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah, you were untouchable, and I was really shocked. But yeah, local politicians. All you know, these guys—they're just a straight up mafia. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining like the like the Iran Contra style like Hawaii like vibe where it's like the Hawaii yeah. state like undercover police are like dropping off like the truckloads of meth in Puna district <laughs> and just being like being like have fun with this fucking Hollies and then like flying away on their on their planes. <laughs> I, I don't honestly think that that's that far though. <laughs> I don't think accurate. so either. <laughs> well, if the, if the, like, the ratio of, like, tweaker to non-tweaker on the Big Island is any indication, uh, that's, that's something like that is happening for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but as far as the vibe out here goes, um, and, and again, I guess I can only speak for Maui. I don't really, you know, know what's going on with I gotta say, it's yeah. a little surprising. I sort of thought that we would um stay um not out of it, but just like relax a bit more. But in the past like six months, man, we have had thousands of people move here from L.A., New York City, Chicago, and San Francisco. Oh, all the big city folks, all mainland folks. And they don't come out here because they want to, like, ooh, you know, like, try Hawaii and live a different lifestyle. They just come out here because they're like, you know, I don't want to pay the fucking liberal taxes in L.A., which, okay, yeah, I get it. But they come out here and they get yeah. the same the same attitudes that they have in the big cities on the mainland. And you've been really seeing it. Like, we've been having our huge Trump parades and we've been having our huge Biden parades. There's people oh, tagging each other's signs and, you know, fighting about all kinds of bullshit. This one Trump lady in Maui the other day, like, flipped out and pretended like she got up, beat up by Antifa members, and it was <laughs> every aspect of it was nonsense. Yeah, but Antifa like, is really acting on Maui. Yeah, exactly. I was like, lady, those were Biden supporters. Like, clearly, they had the Biden signs. That doesn't equal Antifa. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and they didn't beat her up. They didn't beat her up at all. So, yeah, I don't sure know. They but, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's, so, you're, you're I can't, more of it out here than I would have thought. I can't believe that lady would fabricate the story. She sounds so sane and, like, well put together. <laughs> what a shocker. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that that is that's very interesting to hear. I'm kind of, I'm sorry to hear about um, all the the rich mainlanders coming and fucking driving up people's cost yeah. of living. That sucks. If it wasn't gentrified enough, man. I mean, there's, there's just, right. And it's hard. Like, okay, like I get it. I'm a howly. I'm a transplant. It's hard for me to talk shit, but fuck. <laughs> Yeah, but you didn't go there and, like, gobble up a bunch of real estate immediately and then start, like, you know, parceling it off and, like, building multi-use condos. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I texted you you about that earlier, about how, like, Arizona went blue, which I guess, like, you could see that as, like, some form of progress. However, what it really translates to is it translates the cost of living going up in Phoenix and Tucson. As all the exactly. West Coasters, yep, they get priced, they got priced out of, first they got priced out of San Francisco, then they got priced out of Seattle, then they got priced out of Portland, or they just straight up, all, they got priced out of LA immediately, and they can no longer live on, the, live on their coast anymore, they can't no longer afford to, yep. and so, yep. like, Phoenix is now, I, I feel like Phoenix is seen as, like, the far east satellite city of LA almost at this point like the, the oh, yeah area. of the west still right yeah now yeah. one thing I'll say about Phoenix is that like Phoenix is not an aesthetically beautiful city I mean it's just not to be real about that and the summers are the summers are like completely obscene like the city becomes an open air fryer basically like you can yeah. you can throw items out into the street and they'll cook and it's like that's it. Do you think so, it'll scare some people away? I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping. I, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I just hope that at least in South Phoenix they leave me alone because it's like the pol- the paper mill makes it smell like shit sometimes. 
And if there's one thing fucking, there's one thing that like NIMBY, like hip, like hipsters hate is, is odiferous. Like they can't handle any odors in their city. So I'm hoping yeah. that that keeps off being it's relatively affordable. <laughs> For sure, man. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I, de- I derailed. Uh, you were talking about, um, you were talking about Maui and the elections and all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, clearly it's a blue state, which is another funny thing for all of these um, people who want to come out here to escape all of the liberal bullshit over there. <laughs> like, well, I don't know where you think you're moving to, but okay. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, what did you, yeah, think, just what did you think this was going to be? <laughs> yeah. You, you are seeing, I mean... The Lahui is is get is pretty strong right now. You, you there's like you know we've had the three Hawaiian Renaissances right. We're in the we're in the third, and that's like a, it's really growing. You're seeing a lot of that happen. You know the Kiai Mauna stuff really sparked it again this time, but you're starting to see it on Maui with the gentrification issues too and the land grab. There was just a huge protest the other day, Lahaina side. Um, where a bunch of, you know, Kanaka Maoris came down and just straight stood off with these developers trying to make it so they would get the hell off of their land. Um, so you're seeing a lot of the division out here that you would elsewhere, but it's interesting to have that indigenous aspect along with it, right? That's coming in. It's like we got the left against the right and then, and then there's yeah. that as well. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love it out here, Melissa and I are um, really looking at our plan B and getting everything set up. Really? You're thinking of coming back to the mainland? No, no. We bought some property in Africa. Oh, that's right. That's so fucking badass, dude. So, yeah, you brought so, you bought some property in rural Kenya. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Fuck yeah, man. That's such a smart yeah. move. It's well. It's so funny when we did it, um, or when we were thinking about doing it. You know, the majority of my family is very conservative. The majority of Melissa's family is very conservative. And I just remember everyone calling us idiots. Like that's such a bad idea. It's so dangerous. Don't do it. And over this past week, like every one of them have been like, "I'm so glad you guys did that. That was so smart." <laughs> that's hilarious. That's a, that, that really kind of like shows where we're at. Like, yeah. <laughs> holy shit, that's so funny, dude. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. like, all of a sudden, like, Kenya's looking like the nice neighborhood. You're like, oh yeah, man, exactly. Oh, oh, my God, <laughs> oh, that's gonna be amazing. I might have to, I might have to come visit you guys out there. Of course, it sounds really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Then you could, yeah. you could grow. Uh, you could grow kratom out there. I bet. Yeah, I already got, I already ordered some trees over to the property. Okay, fuck yeah. Yeah, there's this there's this guy in like Ghana who um he's an he's an iboga farmer um so he does oh, cool. like ibogaine stuff and then he does yeah. a bunch of other like medicinal trees um and and so he ships all over the continent um but they're pretty cool. That sounds really cool, man. That's dope as hell. So you're gonna yeah, all have you ever done that? Them? No, Ibogaine is one that I have never done. Have you? Yeah. No, uh, my, oh my brother God. did it um, when he was trying to get sober. Uh, quite a trip, man. 
So, have you done it or just your brother has? No, oh, no, I've never done it. Uh-uh. Okay. What did your brother say about it? Um, he, he actually wrote, like, almost the whole book about it. Um, he tried, wow. you know, everything to get sober, right, from the traditional rehab to, you know, just every possible thing you can think of. He did the ayahuasca ceremony down in South America to try and get sober. Um, nothing oh, wow. right, ever. When he did this Ibogaine thing, I mean, the dude couldn't even, like, smoke cigarettes or eat processed food for a while. Like, literally anything even remotely unhealthy, like, he couldn't touch it. Um, it didn't last forever, wow. for sure. Um, but he just, yeah, I mean, the experience he described was insane. He was like, it started kind of like a normal acid trip. And then, like, the room went dark, and it seemed like there was, like, a, a black hole. But he was, like, not going towards it, which is most of our natural instincts. But he had, yeah. like, that moment where he was like, no, dude, like, why are you holding on when you took this specifically with a purpose to try and get clean? So, like, let it do its thing. And Ooh. so he went down this black hole, and he had this whole experience where he said it was, like... He was, he was around a fire that was, like, there was a bunch of giants around it chanting boga. And then he found, like, a spirit guide who came and talked to him and showed him all of his flaws and all kinds of cute shit like that. Um, wow. I know, it seemed like a really meaningful, beautiful experience for him, but, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> you just, yeah, I just got like I got crazy um, fucking Kundalini tingles like all over when you told that story. Yeah, like, yeah, because like I mean that's what I've heard over and over again from from the Volga yeah. experiences. I don't, did you listen to my episode with Tea Fairy? She talked about her. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um. Oh, so maybe, he, I must have not finished it. I don't remember hearing her talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that was, it was like her last story she tells, I think, is the Ibogaine story, so I won't, I won't ruin it for you. They call that a classic radio teaser. Everybody gonna have to go back to the (laughs) Tea Fairy episode to hear Tea Fairy. (laughs) The great, great, the truly great psychonaut Tea Fairy, with over a million views on arrow.org, she tells her Ibogaine story, so go check out that episode. But, but did your, did your, um, brother say it tell you anything else about the spirit guy like was it a did it come in the form of an animal no it was an african man um and he i can't remember if he was one of the giants and then became normal size or was just already normal size um but he said it was literally just like this african man was walking him through the desert at night, the whole time, it was always nighttime. Um, and wow. that's, that's all I remember as far as that description. Whew, man, that is powerful. That is so powerful, dude. Yeah, I can't Damn. imagine. So, is he, you said it didn't last forever, but did he, did he stay sober or? He's, it, he's sober now. Good? Yeah, he's sober. Um, but you know, yeah. the cigarettes and the, and the processed food didn't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are those are tough. I mean, we live in a cigarette and processed fruit society, so it's yeah. tough. Well, it, it, um, and it's just it's so funny in the way we look at addiction, right? Like, you know, oh, these things are so terrible; they're gonna kill you. We gotta outlaw them because they're addictive. I'm like, man, literally, fucking everything in your cupboard is addictive. <laughs> right? Yeah, all the all the various uh, varieties of corn slurry. 
that we like yeah. consume every day and like rub all over our body and just like literally it's like a, it's like some orgiastic bath of corn like fucking syrup blurry uh, anyways um i was gonna was i was gonna say <laughs> yeah no worries i was gonna say in my mind like fuck all the other shit in this election the fact that the drug war took such a hit is by far the most significant outcome, I believe, of the 2020 it's election. Huge, because that's all you know. Right? We set have precedent. Other states are going to follow in suit now. Exactly. Oregon did a fucking solid by passing that because that is for sure. It's going to pass to Washington next, I bet. Then it'll be California, um, yep. and then it'll it'll spread from there seemingly randomly. I feel like. Have you noticed that? That like when super progressive yeah, laws. I can't ever figure it out. They, they they hit the West Coast first, and then they hit like weird states like Iowa. Or, like you just never know where it's going to catch on next, or like New Jersey. Like New Jersey, dude. New Jersey just reached. <laughs> they're next to New York. They're next to Mike Bloomberg stop and frisk New York, and they just said, "Fuck you, we're legalizing weed." It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, so you know this as well as anyone, but like taking the legs out from the drug war would have such a profound effect like downstream of that because it disempowers the intelligence agencies who rely on dark money from the black market to do their dirtiest nastiest shit that we discovered we found that out in the fucking 80s under fucking yep. reagan's watch and that's like yep. in, in my mind that's some of the nastiest shit that, that the empire has ever done and that was all fueled with fucking drug black drug money black hole drug money that you can do anything with and you know, no one can trace it. And right now, that, that's what—that's one of the reasons why we're still in Afghanistan. I guarantee you that is to have access yep. to all those beautiful poppies that they just grow out of the earth. Like I talked, I had another episode. Sorry, I don't mean to keep plugging my episodes, but it, it was a really good one with um, Stephen, the infantryman, talked about his experience in Afghanistan. He's a veteran, and he said that like you just you walking through. He was in Kandahar. He's like, you're walking through yeah. town and there's just like in every yard, it's just full of poppies because you can yeah. just grow the poppies like they grow. You don't have to like modify the soil. They just grow and they're like the best, the best kind of poppy. So, um, you know, there's it's no coincidence is all I'm saying that heroin use has spiked and fucking fentanyl and all that shit. All, our massive opiate crisis has spiked at yeah. the same time that we've been occupying Afghanistan and yep. guarding, literally guarding the poppy fields. And you hear this from more and more veterans who are courageous enough to speak out about it, but they're literally guarding the poppy fields. Like, it's yeah. oil fields well, yeah, they, the poppy Yeah, fields. exactly. They use the money, to, I mean, similar like they did with the cocaine, right? They use the money from it. You gotta, you gotta pay the good militias to take out the bad militias and keep that money flow coming in. And they have to They supported certain cartels, took down others the same way. We, you know, take out some opium manufacturers and poppy farmers, and then we support all the other ones over there. Right, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, I just, right as you were saying that, and it's such a good thing, and it is such a beautiful thing for them to take that hit, but my cynical old man mind instantly is like, well, they're not going to stop their bullshit. So what are, what are they going to do? You know, what's their next line of income? You have to keep your, um, I don't want to use the word, uh, I, I won't use the word enemy, but you should keep your adversaries off balance at all times. So anything you yeah. can do to knock, knock them off balance 
these are the people that are, they're already trafficking children. They're already behind the Epstein shit. Like, this is happening right. already. So it's like, this, I wrote, like, this, this next episode, which I might throw this little snippet of our chat into, is going to be a poetry episode. And I wrote, like, this line of poetry is, like, the saddest fucking thing I've ever written. And it just flowed out of me. <laughs> and it started, it started with, like, the world has fallen. Because, like, you know, the shit, like, the worst shit is already happening. And, like, it breaks my fucking heart. And I know it breaks yours, too. So it's, like, anything you can do to fight back against it. And you have to think yeah. in terms of, like, a totality. Like, every thought, every decision. Like, you have to weave this thing into your life, in my opinion. Because you can't, otherwise your soul is going to graduate and you're going to look back and be like, wow, I just let these fucking creeps creep around, you know? No, I for me, agree more. Yeah. For me, it was some something that broke when I read about the dirty wars in Central America in the 80s. For some reason, I don't yeah. know if it's like past, past life stuff or for some reason I feel super connected to that part of the world and like those people That's went amazing. through absolute yeah, hell. Yeah, and yeah. what's crazy is that the, the Sandinistas, despite being ki tortured and kidnapped, um, like, mercilessly, they, they actually did not dissolve, and they stayed together as a group, and they actually are running Nicaragua right now, <laughs> and there's yeah. universal health care. Have you been watching that show on Hulu, um, all about, it's like the Rick Ross story, but they stole it from Rick Ross, the guys who made it are fucking assholes, but it, it, it explains the whole... <laughs> It explains the whole process of the CIA going into to Central and South America and then bringing crack to the hood. And I, can't, why, I can't think of the name right now, but God, it's a good show, man. It breaks it down pretty well and makes it like... Oh, okay, cool. Wow. I'll put yeah. that, when you think of it, text me and then I'll put it in the description for the show. Yeah, because it's, yeah, for sure. It's pretty, it's pretty, I mean, for people who don't know about it, it's always an easy way to get introduced to you know, our beautiful history. <laughs> coming coming from the great historian Pete Wenneman himself. So, you know. So I wanna I wanna bring this this little snippet to a close because we're gonna have a longer, deeper talk about society in the next like week or two. But I wanna end this chat by asking a question of you and, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about. I'm gonna try to phrase the question well. I might kinda fuck it up because I've not really tried to phrase this question before, but I've been thinking a lot about not I've been making an effort to think less about dystopia and think more about utopia. Because there, okay. there was a tradition of, there was a utopian fiction tradition in the U.S. <clears throat> led by this guy named Edward Bellamy who wrote in 1890 this book called Looking Backward, which is a vision of a utopian future American society in the year 2000. And it's like this beautiful breakdown of like the nitty gritty details of like a socialist state. It's remarkable. And so I want to ask you, like, when you think, when I say the word utopia and throw out your first feeling, which is probably, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to project this onto you, but for me, it's always initially this, like, immediate cynicism, like, utopia, what the fuck? Like, so throw that out, and then what, what do you start thinking about in terms of, like, practical things we can do in our world today to help bring about some sort of future utopia here on Earth? Oh, I don't know if... I don't know if you want me to answer that. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, besides that, though. I, well, <laughs> I'm not going to go down that route. I'm not going down that yeah, route. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's fair. That's no, fair. It, it definitely it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, oddly enough, because 
this like little 16 year old high schooler kid asked me the exact same question that you're asking me. And oh it, wow. And yeah, and he ended up like this young kid, man, just threw me through a fucking loop and totally tripped me out for days. Um, God bless him. Um, and so it's really funny for me because I'm kind of stuck in this paradox where where we're already living in a utopia. Because um, for me, everything is, is just, the whole purpose of life is all about growth, right? Change and growth and, and, and real change and real growth only comes when we have adversity and hardship and pain and suffering. And so I'm like, it's so, all of it is so meaningful and has such a purpose to it. And, and when we forget that there's the purpose to it, it seems like that's when we really suffer from it. But when we look out right now and like, just all the absolute shit that we're going through is also leading to a whole lot of really intense change. Uh, some people are more behind than others. Um, I'm probably one of those people who's way behind. But the point is, is like you can see the purpose behind it, even when it seems like just chaotic, meaningless, angry bullshit. Like there's there's an opportunity there for for real growth. And in my mind, that that's like that setup is a perfect world. That's that's like a utopia to me is where we have an opportunity to grow and try to become better people and embrace love more. And so it's like, we can do these simple things in our lives to, to create a better world that we already, that we have to keep striving for. But there's that right. weird paradox that we can't ever reach what people say a perfect world looks like on paper, you know, no wars, no, no violence, you know, no whatever, no. No class, classless baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right. All these all these beautiful things, um, and it's like we have to always keep striving for them, but I just, like, I don't know what would happen, like, if we actually achieve that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, and first off, I want to say that's a really, like, beautiful and thought-provoking initial answer to your, your to the question. I was not, I didn't see that coming, and it is, like, really impacting me. That idea that sorry, we, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> sorry. No, I love it, man. That's that's you know that's why we have you on. Is like uh, you create the utopia. It's kind of like if you're you want to use the terminology like try to retain Christ consciousness or Buddha knowledge is sort of mm. like creating this utopia within your own mind and your own self. And then even yeah. while walking through a dystopic world, you can maintain that inner utopia. Which yes, is fucking yes. profound, you know? Yes, dude, just before you called, my wife showed me this video of this dude in Spain, in Barcelona. Utter fucking chaos going on around him. Sirens, fires, screaming, explosions. And he was sitting there playing the, the song The Eternal Flame on this grand piano downtown. And he just wow. didn't stop playing, right? The whole time, the shit. And he didn't stop playing the most beautiful song I've ever heard. And that's not to say, like, we, we shouldn't interact with the, the world around us because we, we have to keep fighting for a change. But uh, that was yeah. a symbol, right? To me, it just symbolized like having this, that inner peace with it all. Yes. 
Yeah, the inner, like, kingdom, the inner realm. Like, the inner. Exactly. Yeah, fill in the blank. Dude, guess what? It's actually raining. It's raining here in Phoenix. It hasn't rained in, like, a really oh. fucking long time. Like, it only rained one time this whole summer. So, hey, it's Mahalo starting to rain. Cool. That's good. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> right? Mahalo, okay, cool. So, that means um, I, just because I have, like, fancy electronics with me and stuff, I should probably head, yeah. head home. But, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this was an amazing conversation, Pete. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. I love being on. It's a, it's a blast. I like getting to just talk story with you. Exactly, yeah. So, um, as I mentioned, you'll be uh, coming on again, or we'll be having another chat very soon where we dive into the sobriety angle of things. So, Sounds good. Sounds look, good. Looking forward to that. And, um, yeah, say hi to Melissa for me, and have a beautiful night, man. I'm a bigger boss than Rick Ross. Always winning, nigga. Get lost. It's the warlord. Bring the voodoo. When I bail through, it's crazy like Bellevue. What they tell you? Leave that boy alone. Like home alone. Fuck a skull and bone. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. That nigga is Russian intelligence. When it rains, it pours. Did you know the new white was orange? Boy, you're showing your horns. They trying to replace my halo with thorns. You so basic with your vape stick. Let's go ape shit in the matrix. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. I took back my ice and all black tonight. That's right, some niggas gotta sacrifice. Not a criminal. No. I'm a seminal. Yeah. I was free once. Now I'm clinical. You so technical. This was Mexico. Now everywhere I go is owned by Texico. Fuck them. Fuck them and the rest Hell of you yeah. I turn a fruit to a vegetable I'm a roll with the aliens Man, fuck these homo sapiens They don't really want to make friends All they want is a Mercedes Benz All they want is they dividends and decibels Fuck these citizens They'll treat us like hooligans Throw him in, they don't care what school he in These people don't play fair it ain't even fair at the state fair. Give a young nigga gray hair. That's why I'm here. Make your ass lay there. Punk, you better stay there. Close your fucking eyes like it's daycare. Make myself clear than Shakespeare. I'm here to take money, even fake hair. So desperate is what I'm left with. For the record, you affected. Who you elected is so septic, so full of shit. I can't accept it. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. You got the evidence. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. Arrest the president. What's up, you Dickinsonian donkeys? We're gonna get right back into this episode of Barbarian Noetics, but first, a quick break from today's sponsor. I make them scream bloody murder. Let's meet at the White House. 
Today's episode of the Barbarian Noetics podcast is brought to you by this dude at the gym the other day who seemed to have the realization in real time out loud in front of me that girls are kind of strong sometimes. So there's bench presses lined up like next to each other. There's four bench presses in the gym. So there was a girl doing squats on the first bench press. Then I was doing my thing on the second bench press. And then there was a dude with like wearing sunglasses inside. Not that I'm judging that because it's way too bright in the fucking gym, but still. He was doing his thing next to me. And I had to borrow a weight from him. So to be polite, I like kind of, everyone has their headphones in at the gym, especially Planet Fitness because Planet Fitness, for all, for all my listeners out there who are like corporate stooges at Planet Fitness, do better on the music. Your music is so shitty. They play the worst. Like I can't, it's, it's literally painful for me. Like if I, I have to sometimes take my headphones off when I first check in to like interact for some reason. And it literally is like, I cringe the moment my headphones come off because it's always just like the worst, like top 40 garbage. It's just so grating. And also like who is listening to this type of music? Like whiny white boy music. It's so fucking sucky. It's really demoralizing. Anyways, so for that reason and also just because people are sane, everyone has their headphones in at the gym. And so I'm like motioning to him. I'm trying to like keep this short and sweet. I just need to take a weight. He's not using the weight. I'm just being polite. I'm like gesturing like, I'm gonna take this, is that cool? He takes his headphones off and like looks at me and I'm like, this guy's gonna wanna interact. I could just tell. And he looks at me and he goes, dude, that chick, she's like really strong. And I was like, yeah? He's like, I'm not even checking her out, man. I just, she's like, she's like really strong. I'm like, yeah, bro. Girls have way stronger lower bodies than us. Girls' lower bodies can crush the fucking earth within their thighs. Like, it's, of course. And that just cracked me up because he was really like... And he obviously was checking her out. I think what happened was the moment I asked to borrow a weight through signs was the same moment that he was checking out this girl doing squats. She got that squat booty. And he felt embarrassed and so he had to, like... He had to somehow sort of concoct, you know, some some miscellaneous but he did sell it pretty well because it really did seem like I was witnessing this this gentleman's realization for the first time ever in his life that girls are kind of strong sometimes so the world is now a better place because this guy knows that girls are strong sometimes and you know god bless girls doing squats she got that squat booty Got my eye on you, girl. 
that I've written um, one short poem and one longer poem. We'll start with the short poem. This poem does not have a title yet. The world is fallen and depleted, but the birds that remain remain playful, riding breezes, surfing gusts, and interweaving their feathered threads together. One cohesive, always flowing whole. And this next poem is a longer poem. It's split into seven parts and it's called A Song of Time. One, that which burns will never burn itself as faces on the inside hide to see their lostness as a cause, not memory. The spine's quick flinch, reaction of the skin, pluralistic doings in this world of only one. Two, Three girls swinging on a tire that spins, a ratio of meaning this to that. A child at play with her adult, singing verbs in context. A rhapsody once newer spills again its tone. Three. Now, before the fire eats its way through the glass, a century is drowning in the grasslands. Hands clasped to save a sweating mass, are minutes as along a shore still tiding. Four. The building verse is ending as the seventh unsaid day among the dusk. In the beginning, beginning created the end and rested. She who dreams the middle forms the past. On land, a wide-eyed charmer lures the snake. Five. Water is a binding spell of membranes, starry, jeweled, and spoken. Life leaves soundless breath marks in rain. Six. I am as silence in a chair, sound sleeps in passing, long trains, a heaven of freight piled shyly with coal. Seven. For burning incense, prayers are uttered, first as light turned gently on a string. Our music is the orchid sway of orbit, at once particle and wave.
This is a poem I wrote called Fuck the War on Drugs. Fuck the war on drugs. The war on drugs is dumb. Dare can suck a dick. Nancy Reagan can suck me off. Fuck the war on drugs. The war on drugs is dumb. The end. So here's an idea. Rich people don't want to pay taxes ever, and they're going to do everything they can to not pay the taxes. So, and the government's completely useless because they're beholden to the donor class, blah, blah, blah. So how about we just force rich people to pay taxes by direct-to-ballot initiatives, like the one that just passed in Arizona, Prop 208, passed pretty convincingly and it passed most importantly and it means that rich people have to pay for state education in Arizona because they weren't going to pay for it before so maybe we could just do that all over the country just do any state that has a direct to ballot initiative be like yeah direct to ballot if you make over $250,000 a year you have to you actually do have to pay the taxes sorry (laughs) solutions guys solutions to the end of the episode so congratulations thank you for sticking with me thank you for persevering and being present and laughing and crying and now it's the outro which means i'm gonna read a passage from a book and the book today is going to be i've read from it once before but it is uh the pregnant virgin a process of psychological transformation by marion woodman And I'm just going to turn to a random page and read a passage to close out this pod. All right, I turn to page 130. The Dream Sister. We are not gods. We are not machines that can be driven by logic or power. We do have hearts, and our hearts are in our bodies, and our bodies are related to our instincts. So long as we allow our heads to be cut off from our bodies, 
We are colluding with the madness of our age and attempting to cure physical ills without making the necessary psychic corrections. We may temporarily succeed, but the body will have its way. It will not lie. It has received the pain that the mind cannot endure. Eventually, it will reject the shallow veneer that blocks the possibility of honest response, the kind that would take in, go through the slow, circuitous route of the gut and heart, and come back with a real reaction. In genuine conversation, intercourse takes place. Soul is shared with soul. Each has enough presence to allow the other in without distortion and projection. Each gives energy to the other. No amount of therapy or analysis can heal a heart that cannot trust. The virgin is so wounded by the pressures of modern living that, valuable as rational insight can be, only a numinous experience of love and grace bursting through from the unconscious can redeem her. Since most of us as children were told that, quote, it is more blessed to give than to receive, unquote, we have been so busy giving that we are unable to receive. The possibility of receiving is blocked by the unconscious message. You are not worthy to receive. If you do, you are guilty. Women who absorb that message from their mothers, who heard it from their mothers, will sacrifice almost anything to a man and yet hate the word receptive. They associate it with passivity, submission, non-being. The negative connotations presuppose a weak ego, no chalice to be pierced. Fearful of receiving even from those they love, they dare not risk being receptive to the totally unknown other. They fear surrender to the creative unconscious. Yet real creativity happens only when the ego is strong enough to surrender. Imagine the strength of Shakespeare's chalice pierced by the divine phallus. Femininity, biologically and psychically, is by nature receptive, and until women learn that active receptivity is and how crucial it is in creative work and in relationship, they belittle their own womanhood. Men, too, if they are to be creative, and if they are able to receive women, have to find their own virgin within. The task of finding the balance between femininity and masculinity is of course different for men and women. But for both, the liberation of the heart is essential in order to bring healing within and without. And with that, y'all, it brings this episode of the BMP to a close. So, as always, I thank you all for listening. As always, I wish you all well and I send out good vibes from the desert to wherever you may be in the reality tunnels of space and time. And also, as always, if you are moved to support the podcast, that's what I rely upon to grow and eventually realize my dreams of the mobile BMP studio roaming through Central America. So you can support the podcast by ways that are free, and you can also support it financially. Supporting it for free, all you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to the Barbarian Noetics podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen on multiple platforms, if you give five stars on each platform and leave a review, it's incredibly helpful. It's what allows me to reach more people so we can expand our tribe of philosopher barbarians. If you want to be my beneficent master, you may become so at www.patreon.com slash noetics you can support the bmp for as little as one dollar a month you can cancel at any time and you get bonus content if you sign up on the patreon as well as a direct line to me 
to influence the direction of the show moving forward. So please, if you do have a couple extra bucks rattling around in your bank accounts, I could really use it. You can give to the show, become a sponsor at patreon.com slash noetics, and I would be eternally grateful to you. And I am eternally grateful to my present patrons. Thank you to each of you. And may you be reaping all the positive karma that comes with becoming a sponsor of the Barbarian Noetics podcast. All right, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Much love. Peace. behind tell me who's got control of your mind your worldview is it the news or the movie you taking your girl to uh. know what i'm saying because uncle sam got a plan if you examine what they're telling us then you will understand what they planting in the seeds of the next generation feeding our children miseducation no one knows if there's ufos or any life on mars or what they're doing when they up in the stars because i don't believe a word of what the president said he filling our head with lies got us hypnotized when he be speaking in cold words about crime and poverty Drugs, welfare, prisons, guns, and robbery, it really means us. There's no excuse for the slander, but what's good for the goose is still good for the gander, see. I don't believe Bob Marley died from cancer. 31 years ago, I would have been a panther. They killed Huey because they knew he had the answer. The views that you see in the news is propaganda. Computer chip in my arm. I don't wanna die by a nuclear bomb. I said we all rush the Pentagon. Pull out guns and grab the intercom. My first words would be, I believe man made God. Out of ignorance and fear. If God made man, then why the hell would he put us here? I thought he's supposed to be the all-loving. The same God who let Hitler put the Jews in the ovens. We don't fall for the regular shit. They try to feed us all this half-assed leadership. Flip a position. They turn politician and shut the hell up and follow tradition. Boy, your TV screen is telling lies to your vision. Every channel got some brainwashed cop shit to watch. Running up in niggas' cribs claiming that they earned shots. It's a plot. But bust it, can you tell me who's greedier? The big corporations, the pigs or the media. Sign of the times. Terrorism on the rise. Commercial airplanes falling out the skies like flies make me wonder what secrets went down with ron brown who burned the churches to the ground with no evidence found it's not coincidence it's been too many steady incidents it could have been the clan who put that bomb at the olympics but it probably was the fbi deep at the core because if they make us all panic they can start martial law i don't believe bar marley died from cancer 31 years ago i would have been a panther they killed you because they knew he had the answer the views that you see in the news is propaganda i don't believe bar marley died from cancer 31 years ago i would have been a panther you killed huey because you knew he had the answer the views that you see in the news is motherfucking propaganda K-K-K-I-R-S 
S N B C F B I C I A A T F K K K I R S T N T C B S N B C Thank you. 